This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today. We had an exciting week on AFR on American Family Radio with our spring shareathon. Confident hope was the theme taken right out of Romans 15, verse 13. And we had an excellent shareathon, so we just want to thank you for everyone who pitched in to support the work of American Family Radio and American Family Association. It's very, very encouraging each uh, each fall and spring to have our listeners come alongside us and support the work of American Family Radio, which not only brings 24-7 broadcasting in your local area and online, which is a good plug for the app. Remember, we have the app, which you can download on your smartphone or your tablet device. You can download that app. Just type in AFR in your app store or type in American Family Radio. takes you about a minute or two. Download the app. You'll have it right there on your device. Easy to use, great content. Then, of course, we have our website, AFR.net. Speaking of our website, if you procrastinated, you weren't able to donate to our Sherathon, check out our website. You can do that in a couple minutes at AFR.net. Speaking of partnering with us and, and the work of American Family Association, which is a parent ministry of AFR, we are doing all kind of projects throughout the year aimed at building up the body of Christ. And you got to, if you don't kind of keep up intentionally, some some of you may not know what all that we're doing here at American Family Association. A couple things, uh, I'm just going to mention a few. Later this month, we have a, what we're calling AFA at Home, Episode 2. AFA at Home is a video series uh, we've launched recently where we hit on the, the topics of the day. In this episode, episode two, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. And this is going to air, this is going to debut on April 29th. On April 29th, it's a Thursday at 7 p.m., this AFA at Home episode two is going to debut. We're going to talk for about an hour on spiritual warfare. We're going to have great guests like Miki Addison, Pastor Jeff Shreve, Tony Perkins of FRC, Ed Vitagliano of AFA, and, and Bert Harper of Exploring the Word and a couple more. Uh, E.W. Jackson is going to be on there. So we're going to talk about spiritual warfare and and talk about what the Bible has to say about spiritual warfare. So go to afa.net right there on the homepage. You can register for that. It's called AFA at Home, Episode 2, I'll Be the Host. Another um, event I want to uh, bring to your attention is an event in Florence, Alabama next week. 
an event in Florence, Alabama. It's an AFA-sponsored marriage family life date night there in Florence, Alabama. So it's a date night for couples to come, and we're going to talk about marriage there at the date night and talk about what God has to say about marriage. The date is Thursday, April 27th at 6.30 p.m. That's in Florence, Alabama. So if you live in that area um, at nor- in northeast um, uh, Alabama and, and some parts of Tennessee and Mississippi, you're uh, within an hour or two of there in Florence, Alabama. So if you want to find out about all these events that we're doing where we're uh, helping carry out the mission and vision of AFA, just go to afa.net forward slash events, afa.net forward slash events, and we have everything there you need to know listed, afa.net forward slash events. Jumping right into the news of the week, you know, Washington never seems to surprise as far as just the the ridiculousness that can come out of Washington, D.C. on a pretty consistent basis. And we had this past week a couple things going on that are worthy of discussing. You know, there's this misinformation going on about the Georgia Election Integrity Bill law that the governor signed into law a few weeks ago. There's been this massive misinformation, disinformation, smear campaign launched by the mainstream media and the Democrat Party aimed at lying intentionally about what the Georgia law is really about. And all it is about is about making voting, making it easy to vote and hard to cheat. That is the goal of these pieces of legislation across the country aimed at making voting easy and cheating hard. It's as simple as that. And the media and the Democrats, which they're one and the same, and now corporate America, which is just now another arm of the Democrat Party. So we have the Democrat Party apparatus, which includes the mainstream fake news media. And then you have now woke corporate America, which I didn't know When I buy a Coca-Cola or I fly on Delta Airlines, I didn't know I was funding a political action committee. But here we are, and Delta and American Airlines and Coca-Cola and all these woke corporations have decided that, that it's their job to take their consumers' money when they sell their products, take that money, and then lobby on behalf of the Democrat Party. But that's what they're doing. And Heritage Action, which was a a key partner to get this bill through the Georgia legislature, Heritage Action, Heritage Foundation, they spearheaded the efforts to get this bill through the Georgia legislature. And they did an ad, which really summed this down in about 55 seconds, really summed down and disputed all of the lies about the Georgia law. And so we're going to play clip four. This is a brief ad by Heritage Action talking about what the Georgia law is all about. President Biden is lying about Georgia's new election reform. Even the Washington Post caught him in his lies. 
This new ethics law doubles early voting on weekends. Voting on two Saturdays, guaranteed. And if you'd rather vote after church on Sunday, you still can. Absentee voting is strengthened. All absentees will now be on watermark security paper, like a car title, with voter ID required. So you know every vote counts the same one time. To provide a pressure-free voting experience, special interest groups are kicked out of polling places. And counties can still provide water for people waiting in line. That's the truth. Read it yourself. And don't fall for the lies by those who want to divide us. Heritage Action for America was proud to support Georgia's election reform. Join us today so we all can trust the vote. Paid for by Heritage Action for America. There you go. That's an ad put out by Heritage Action, a political arm of the Heritage Foundation there. And she just debunked all of the of all of the lies coming from Joe Biden and his minions. And Joe Biden actually earned himself four Pinocchios from the Washington Post. Why? Because he lied about what the Georgia law does. The Georgia law filled in some loopholes. I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version. The Georgia law filled in a couple loopholes that allowed fraud. That allowed unverifiable ballots into the ballot box. This bill was aimed and will fix many of those issues. That's what it's all about. And, you know, if the Democrats won fair and square in Georgia, then why do they care if we pass a bill which says you need some form of legal identification to vote? Why are they up in arms about this. Well, I might add that it's probably because they used these same loopholes that are being closed by this Georgia law to win the presidential election in 2020. I'm just guessing, but I think I'm right. Don't believe the lies about this law and other laws being passed across the country. They are all aimed at protecting the vote. One person, one vote. Hard to cheat, easy to vote. That should be the way it is across the country. Moving on to a few other news items. We had this tragic shooting in Minnesota, or a suburb of Minneapolis, Brooklyn Center, where from, from what we're seeing to date, a law enforcement officer mis- mistook her firearm for her taser and fatally shot a suspect who was trying to flee arrest, who was trying to evade a lawful arrest from law enforcement officers in a suburb of Minneapolis. Which this is a tragedy. No one is disputing that. The mistake, the tragic mistake 
that the law enforcement officer made, she is going to have to face the consequences of that tragic accident. No one is disputing that. The officer has already been brought up on charges of second-degree manslaughter. Those are the facts surrounding the case. That is what we know for certain. But what we have here is people who are looking for any and every opportunity to race bait, to conquer, to divide and conquer, to stir up hatred, division, and strife. There are people across the country, there are arms of the Democratic Party, including the media, that are on standby at all times to wait for a tragedy like this to strike, to happen, so that they can strike and they can capitalize politically on a human tragedy. Which that, that is about as low as you can go in human behavior to use human tragedies like what happened in Brooklyn Center for political, pure political purposes. The political purposes being divide America so that the Democrats and all the crony politicians can stay in charge, right? Because they are the party of the minority. They are the party of the victims. That's what they claim to be. Another shooting that happened a couple months ago was in Washington, D.C. at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. There we had a Capitol Police officer discharge his firearm, and we're going to use the terminology of the left here, he discharged his firearm on a protester inside the Capitol, an unarmed, might I add, an unarmed female protester. He discharged his firearm, killed the protester. Well, the Department of Justice announced this week that that officer isn't even, isn't even going to be brought up before a grand jury. No charges will be brought. That officer fully exonerated, so says the DOJ. Tucker Carlson had a little bit to say about this this past week on his show. Let's listen to clip one. We know that Ashley Babbitt was short, she was female, and she was unarmed. There was no evidence the officer who killed her gave her any kind of verbal warning before he pulled the trigger. Is that now standard procedure? We'd imagine the rules of engagement for federal agents were limited to the use of deadly force in situations where law enforcement has reason to believe they or the people they're around are in imminent danger of being harmed. You can't just shoot people without warning because they're in the wrong place. That's not allowed. Except now, apparently, it is allowed. So when did these rules change? And once again, who exactly shot Ashley Babbitt? 
Journalists exist to ask these questions, but they're not asking them. The Washington Post wrote a long story today about the DOJ's announcement and never raised a single one of these questions. The Post didn't name the shooter or even acknowledge that the government is withholding the name of the shooter. Quote, authorities determined that there was insufficient evidence to prove Babbitt's civil rights were violated, the Post declared, and that was it. The rest of the piece was a personal attack on Ashley Babbitt and on her political views. She deserved to die. That was the point of the Washington Post story. Well, there you have it. There you have it. You have two situations a little bit different in the scenarios. The suspect in Minneapolis in Brooklyn Center was fleeing law enforcement, fleeing a lawful arrest, disobeying lawful orders. And the officer, from all accounts, accidentally discharged her firearm instead of her taser. Then you have the Capitol Police officer back on January 6th intentionally discharge his firearm on an unarmed protester. And those charges will not even be brought up before a jury. No charges will be brought at all. Now, this is a problem. And I'm not concluding, I'm not being jury here. I'm not concluding that what the Capitol Police officer did was illegal or wrong or unjustified. But I at least think it should be brought up before a jury. Because many other times when an officer across the country discharges their firearm and kills an unarmed suspect, in many cases, those charges at least get brought up before a jury. But the Capitol Police officer, no charges, fully exonerated no questions anymore. The officer in Brooklyn Center, she had charges within 48 hours. She was arrested. Same thing with Derek Chauvin, the police officer in Minnesota and Minneapolis. Charges brought within days, arrested within days. Now he's on trial for similar charges. It's, it's unfortunate, I believe, that we have prosecutors now, I believe, kowtowing to the political mob pressure. The DOJ knows that they're not going to hardly face any pushback for not bringing charges against the officer that shot the unarmed female on January 6th. But if that officer had shot an unarmed black young male on January 6th, you better bet if there weren't if there weren't charges there would at a minimum be a media frenzy for weeks 
and there would be rioting, looting, and burning down of Washington, D.C., all in the name of social justice. What I'm afraid is happening across our country, thanks to the media and our good old friends in the Democrat Party and corporate woke America, because of their race baiting, because of them using every single tragedy and event to further divide us, they are making it to where everyone sees things through the lens of skin color. Which is completely unbiblical, which is most important of all. And it is completely against American principles and ideals. We have the 13th and 14th Amendment so we can view people not based on their sex, not based on their skin color, but based on their character. And America has come leaps and bounds from where we came from after the Civil Rights Movement. We've come leaps and bounds when it comes to civil rights. We arguably have the best country in the world for minorities to live in, the greatest opportunity for people to thrive. But we have an entire political party structure aimed at taking America backwards when it comes to all the great progress made. Shame on the Democrat Party and their friends in the media and corporate America. Moving moving on, there was, you know, I've talked extensively on my show about Washington, D.C. and Congress and really the little work they do, or at least the little work they do of significance, Well, did you know that some of your members of Congress are actually on vacation riding yachts and voting by Zoom? Well, I didn't know that either until this week. Let's play clip three. This is Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy in the House of Representatives talking about how he's seen members of Congress voting by Zoom while on a boat. I'm not quite sure. I look forward to the day that when Congress changes, that you have to show up to work to be paid. That will be one of the first things I will do. We will not vote by proxy. And the other thing that would be interesting to have happen is that bills actually go through committee. So voices that constituents around the world, around the country, lend their voice to their representative, they could actually be heard and have input on bills. So you would not support another extension? No. I didn't support the creation of it. If we are essential through all the history of America, through war, through plagues and others, even within the Civil War and Capitol being burnt, we still showed up. This is the first Congress that can't. I've watched congressional members be on a boat and vote. They're with their family out on a boat. They're still getting paid. And they zoom in for a vote. That's appalling. Well, there you have it. That's news to me. (laughs) Members of Congress 
Getting paid to go on vacation and vote by Zoom. You know, we have this、uh, something, little something called State of the Union, kind of a big deal. Well, President Biden is the longest president in modern history to wait to do the State of the Union. Most presidents, going back to Reagan and H.W. Bush, waited、uh, 20, 30 days to do the State of the Union. Well, guess what? Joe Biden, he's waiting a whopping 98, 99 days to do the State of the Union. And guess the date he chose to do it April 28th. Well, guess what April 28th is? The House of Representatives is not in session. Typically, the president has the State of the Union with both chambers of Congress, the House and the Senate. Gathered together in the House chamber for the State of the Union. Well, President Biden decided to do this year's State of the Union on a date where the House of Representatives is in recess. And the White House is already saying that we will not allow all members of Congress into the State of the Union. Why? Because of COVID. <laughs> Things may change, they may change their mind. But as of now, they're looking to have as few of people as possible in the State of the Union. And this plays right into the narrative and really the perception, which is built on many truths, that President Biden is not well. He's not doing well. He's not able to deliver a coherent speech for an hour, hour and a half. To a national audience, both live and on television. And this announcement that they scheduled the State of the Union when the House of Representatives is not in town further feeds that perception. It further feeds that perception. But it shouldn't surprise us. I believe that's why Joe Biden hasn't done it. Before now, the State of the Union. Because he's not ready. Because he can't deliver a 60 or 90 minute speech to the nation. I don't think he can physically do that. You know, people really amped up that White House press conference and that White House speech from back a month or two ago. Well, not even that long, a couple weeks ago. The long awaited Biden press conference. Everyone was covering it. Breaking news Biden's having a press conference. I think it lasted 20 minutes, 30 minutes maximum. The Vice President Kamala Harris has been 20 days without a press conference regarding the southern border. She is the czar for the southern border and she hasn't spoken to the press in 20 days. What kind of confidence do people have that our country is being run effectively and efficiently if our commander in chief and the vice president can't even have a press conference? Exposing Washington American Family Radio. We'll see you next time.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.